Hello there folks and welcome to the second half of the 1992 episode of the Great Scott Cinema Club podcast. As usual, I'm here with Keezy, my name's Chris Toll, and we're going to move on to the second half of our 1992 episode, which, Keezy, we ended off on Passenger 57. Uh, I think it was a good place to stop because I didn't have any any time for Passenger 58, man. It was getting too late (laughs) last week, wasn't it? Um, So, (laughs) we'll move on. What's the next movie in the last time, Keezy? He's one of your classics. (laughs) Unlawful Entry. Unlawful Entry. Right. Right. I've never even heard the Unlawful Entry. Tell me about it. No? No. Right. Um, okay, this is Kurt Russell right. in Madeline Stowe. Off to a flyer with Kurt. <laughs> so they two buy a new house in LA because um, he's wanting to open a new nightclub in the city, right? Right. But their house, get, their house gets broken into and they Kurt Russell, but he freezes and panics and then he wrestles with the guy and the guy gets away. So the, the police come round to investigate and uh, one of the cops instantly falls in love with Madeline Stowe with no bloody wonder. But it's uh, Ray Liotta and he's an absolute psycho. But he's the cop and he just keeps turning up and turning up and menacing them and it's a great thriller. Do you know what? I think I've seen this film. Aye. <laughs> I, I think I've seen it years ago. I remember Ray Liotta standing at a door wearing a police uniform, but it, uh, the door had like a like a curtain down. Was it like a glass door with a curtain down it or something like that? And right. I don't know. I've I've got a picture of that in my head. Uh, either that, or really, I came in my door one night. Dressed as a <laughs> <police>. No, <laughs> that sounds like a scene in it. Aye. So aye, I, I think I'll, I have seen that. I think first of all, he's pals with him, but then he's the more they get to know him, the more. Kurt Russell's like, this guy's a psycho, but the wife still likes him, and uh, is it all Kurt Russell's imagination, or is this guy really a a, a mental guy? It's kind of, it's, there's so many other films around at the same time that's similar to it. Like, uh, Pacific Heights, and uh, the hand that rocks the cradle, and there's like a nutter in the house. Pacific Heights uh, is the one that I always remember. You're right, there was a raft of movies like that around about that time. It's the psycho aye, stalker guy. Aye, somebody in your house is a nutcase. I think aye. it all started with Fatal Attraction, and then it, just, it was rip-off after rip-off. But this is one of the good ones, because the three of them are brilliant in it. Kurt Russell's great, and Ray Liotta's brilliant as a baddie. And it's, Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell's a man, isn't he? Aye. Uh, I think he's, it's a forgotten film. Uh, it's, it's of its time, but definitely worth a watch. Where, where, does, where does it rank in Kurt Russell movies? It's one of my favourite Kurt Russell movies. It's yeah. one that I hadn't seen for years, but I watched it recently, and it it, it was still good, still enjoyable. Entry. Um, yeah. right, so, do you know, it actually sounds like the sort of film that I would enjoy. I think I've seen it, but I might watch it again, or I might watch it. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know if I'm watching it again or not. <laughs> but let's move on there's another uh, well, funnily enough it's a, another movie about a crackpot um, that I stumbled across actually while I was looking for 1992 movies on Amazon it's called Gun Crazy right 
and okay. it, it's Drew Barrymore. Basically, it's a movie about this wee lassie that's more um, has done a runner, and she's left her with her boyfriend, left her with her mom's boyfriend, and the mom's boyfriend is basically now seeing her as his girlfriend kind of thing, and basically he's, he's abusing the wee lassie, but um, she's because of that learned behaviour, she's just sleeping with guys at school and all that, and uh, and they're in class one day and they get a they get a project given to them by by a teacher and they've got to um, find a pen pal and write to the pen pal and get a get a response for the pen pal and bring in uh, the letter that they receive for the pen pal. So all everybody in the class is all writing to folk all over the world and all that, but she's written to a prison. And she's written written to a prisoner, and um, the guys written back to her, and then the story is that they they fall in love, kind of thing, over these letters. Now, bear in mind that she's a child; she's fifteen, right? And this guy, this guy's like twenty odds, right? So, um, she's obviously fallen madly in love with this guy. The idea of this guy, um, and she decides that one of the guy's hobbies is shooting. So, um, she decides to try and teach herself how to shoot and she takes her her stepdad slash boyfriend's gun and starts to teach herself how to shoot but he then goes like, I, I listen I'll teach you how to shoot so he teaches her how to shoot right so um he then he, he tries to come on to her and because she's now feeling love with this other guy she's like no no I don't want it I don't want it I don't want it and then he, he rapes her basically right so after after that, um, she goes and gets the gun, and because he's taught her to shoot, he's sitting watching the telly, and she walks up behind him, and she shoots him three times, man. Shoots him in the head, kills him. Um, and then she just goes about her business for weeks without him noticing. She gets a sponsorship for the local church, and uh, the the guy sponsors the, the person that she's writing with, writing to. Uh, in the prison right. with a job so they can get early release right and um, he puts them up and all that and the, basically the story is that the guy that she's with can't he, he can't he, he doesn't function as a man as he says in the in the movie right he basically can't he get up right, right. and um, she's like I don't care I love you uh, instead of sleeping together we could just like tell each other secrets and stuff and that can keep us close He's like, right, okay, no bother. Um, he's like, I've never slept with a woman because I've never been able to physically. And she's like, that's all right, don't worry about that. Mon, I'll show you my secret. <laughs> takes, him the back, takes him in the back of the house, opens a chest freezer, and there's the stepdad. <laughs> but it doesn't freeze the guy at all. He's like, all right, right, well, we need to get rid of this body. And she's like, right, okay, so... They take it to an incinerator, right? Fire the body in the incinerator. And just as that happens, two boys that she pumped earlier on drive up in the car. Right? See and they get out and they catch him flinging the body in. They're like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's like, eh, nothing, nothing. And then they kill the two guys. And then... Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I'll not say too much more about the plot, but for there on, on in, it's a basically a fugitive movie. They're on the run. Right. It, it is kind of along the same lines as uh, Natural Born Killers. Right? Ah, yes, that's what I was thinking about. 
it's me. It's it's actually I I much enjoyed it more. I enjoyed it much more than Natural Born Killers. Drew Barrymore's excellent in it. It's a it's a good film. I I really enjoyed it, man. I'd, I'd actually recommend it to you. I think you'd enjoy it another one. Never never heard it, but it sounds pretty good, aye. Aye, I'd never it heard it either. But it's a, a it's an old fashioned kind of Bonnie and Clyde gimmick. Aye. Um, but we, we can move on for the uh, gun crazy now. The next one in the list here, mate, is an absolute belter. One of my favourite movies of all time, and I know that you like it as well. And Keen likes it, and Sammy likes it, and everybody that I know likes it, and it's Wayne's World. And if you don't like Wayne's World, then quite frankly, fuck you. <laughs> I love Wayne's World, and as I've said before when I was talking about Wayne's World 2, I always get the two of them mixed up. But right, I, think, I think I've figured it out. Number one's the one with all blow. Aye. Number two's the one with the main man. Aye. Chrissy Dalkin. Aye. <laughs> right, okay. So, right, so I know what one's right now then. Right, I love Wayne's World. And the reason i seen Wayne's World, we went to the movies to see Batman Returns. Right. right. We went to the cinema to see Batman Returns. And do you remember Batman Returns was the first 12? Was that aye. the first movie that was a 12? And we I think, it, I think it definitely was a 12, aye. The, uh, we were we were too young again and they wouldn't let us in even though we were with an adult now right. it's 12 a, as long as you've got an adult with you you can get right. in right but back then it was a 12 or a 12 a and right. this one uh, Batman Returns was a 12 and we couldn't get in and uh, we ended up going to see Wayne's World and I loved that man I loved Wayne's World <laughs> and I've always I've been a fan of it ever since kind of thing um, right. are you a fan of it yourself? Oh aye, I prefer the second one, but I still love this one as well. Um, the big scene that everybody talks about, the, the just a classic movie scene, is the Bohemian Rhapsody scene. Aye, absolutely. I mean, it, really, it's it was that 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 movie is probably responsible for me being a Queen fan. To be honest, aye, aye it's uh, that scene. I mean, in, who doesn't? Who's not done that? If Bohemian Rhapsody comes on in the car. Who hasn't done that? You know the, the head banging, <laughs> hanging all that. My favorite, my favorite bit in the movie, my favorite line in the movie is just before Bohemian Rhapsody comes on, when they pick up uh, their, their mate that's pure wrecked, and yeah, they sit him in there and he's pure green. And he's sitting there and Bar- uh, Garth brings out a wee, a wee cup, a wee tiny cup, a mouthwash cup. He goes, <laughs> "If you're gonna spew, spew into this." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but that just makes me piss myself, man. Um, <laughs> Seeing the, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, uh-huh. I liked the fact that it was Mike Myers that played the the music producer that said, there is no way you'll ever get kids to bang their heads to this song. Aye, I, I thought know that class. Aye, it's a brilliant me, like, in-joke kind of thing. Mike Myers is a better actor than he gets credit for. Definitely, aye, absolutely. It's Again, just a, a brilliant film, man. Um, really funny. A lot of the cameos in it were excellent as well. Aye. Um, this one's the one you've got Alice Cooper. Am I right? That's right. Aye. And, um, aye. Alice Cooper's tremendous in it as well. Um, aye. The easy story about Milwaukee, about 
I, it's actually pronounced Milwaukee. <laughs> talks about how the Native Americans and all that came and, and settled on it. And Wayne's just like, ah, I was not aware of that. <laughs> I, it, um, it, this film, right? I brought, you know, remember at the end of school, last couple of days you, you could bring in films and stuff? Aye. So I brought this in, a, a, I think it was primary six, it must have been. I brought mm. this into primary school and the headmistress nearly had a bloody heart attack. Aye. And for that moment on, PG films were banned in the school. They'd only allowed use. Oh, for <laughs> Christ's sake. For that moment on. Aye. I ruined it for everybody. Oh, your headmistress ruined it. Wayne's World wasn't that bad. Okay, there's Cassandra with a snake wrapped around things like that. I think it's but, probably just a swing, but swing, swing, swing. <laughs> so that was it for that primary school. No more PGs. Ah, oh, you ruined it, man. You ruined it for everybody. <laughs> I mean, they're going to hide, though. That's the class <laughs> film. Oh, I remember TV showed us that film that we weren't meant to see. Right. <laughs> um, so, right, we'll move on for Wayne's World. And this one's a film that I've seen about 30 times, but I can't really talk much about it. But I know that you could talk from now until next year about it. Um, Joe Pesci, another cracker <laughs> this year. Um, probably Pesci's funniest role, I would say. Aye. Aye, it's funnier than Leo gets, isn't it? What about Harry? <sighs> oh, my own. Ah. I think this is his finest moment. You think so? Comedy-wise. Aye, Aye. you forget Goodfellas, don't you? I know, like, I know. You know what I mean? The casino and all that. <laughs> Marissa <laughs> Tomei get nominated for an Oscar for it and he never got a sniff. I know. <laughs> but she won the Oscar. She won the Oscar, in fact. Aye, that's right. <laughs> that's so crazy. We're, of course, talking about my cousin Vinny. Aye, I forgot this, to say the name of the film. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, uh, this is one of my dad's diamonds. Aye. Um, my dad renowned for bringing home the worst films of all time to the, the video shop. But he, he's, he's unearthed three diamonds over the years. Uh, one was a Shawshank. <laughs> um, oh, no, the other one wasn't a film. That, well, the other one was, we're in the house on a Sunday and he says, oh, there's a film starting on BBC Two in five minutes. Uh, uh, a new film with Kiefer Sutherland. I was like, Kiefer Sutherland, he's not made a film since The Bloody Musketeers. <laughs> and he's like, oh no, wait, it's a TV show. I was like, all right, you've got my attention now. And it was 24. Aye. And it was when it just started on BBC Two. I think they were the, one of the first people to ever show it. Aye, so we, got it we were right at the start with it because of my dad and absolute glued to it. So, oh, and then the third... <laughs> so the, and then the third one, which was the first one, was... Uh, Oh, the, the movie we're watching tonight's My Cousin Vinny, and I, again, wee guy just slaughtering him. Like, what is this? I've never heard of it. This is rubbish. But then you see the names coming up at the start. Ralph Macchio. Karate Kid, you see? Aye. But Karate Kid and Harry for Home Alone. I'm in. Karate Kid and Harry for Home Alone and Oscar winner Marissa Tomei. I'm your man. This film... I've never laughed as much at a film in all my life. Bear in mind, maybe 11 years old, and it just it knocked this stuffing out of me. Aye, the scene, um, the scene with the suit in the courtroom. Oh, aye. Mate, 
Fucking hell, he's just, honestly. They're just like expecting it and it's the way they do it. And they, oh my God, I, 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 that hit me on the floor. But, I, but the first bit they got me was just the bit where when they first get arrested and he thinks he's confessing to stealing a can of tuna. <laughs> and, but, the, but the sheriff thinks he's confessing to the murder. <laughs> and that is absolutely brilliant. And for that moment on, I was just in absolute knots at it. Ah, it's um, Herman Munster's the judge. In I was going to say that big Herman Munster plays the plays the judge. He's a big, strange looking cat, that guy, isn't he? <laughs> He's perfect for this role. I know, and, definitely. Look, uh, Lane Smith, who was Perry White in New Adventures of Superman, mm-hmm. he plays the terror attorney that he's Aye, up against. Right. So he does. Uh, he's, yeah, he's class and all. And I don't want to go into all the funny bits because if there's anybody out there at all that hasn't seen it, then starting this podcast is worth it if it just gets them to watch this film. Oh, what a claim. <laughs> what a claim. It won't, I, it won't let you down. Do you know what? See, I know it's probably no scientifically accurate, but see how what happens at the end and how basically the end of the trial happens. Aye, aye. I, I was I was mesmerised. I was like, she's the smartest woman I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, um, he gets taught in a law school. This film gets shown to a law students in America. It's apparently it's one of the most accurate depictions of what a court case is like. Aye. Aye, apparently so, aye. I, um, I seen, I seen, I seen OJ's court, court case and it was nothing like that. <laughs> but um, to convince anybody to watch it, all you need to say is uh, the karate kid and his mate, who, who was Barry for friends, get arrested in Alabama. Sure it was! <laughs> <That is> the- <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, sure it was! They get arrested in Alabama for murder, which they didn't do. And the only guy that, uh, their only lawyer that they know is, uh, he's absolutely hopeless until he's not. <laughs> Aye, until he's not hopeless. Oh, <laughs> that, that scene with the suit, man, I know I said it before, but Aye. genuinely that is one of the funniest scenes in any film. Do you know what? Talking about it, it's all, it all just comes back to you when you start talking about it. Aye. <laughs> it's great. It's a it's a fantastic film. Uh, really, really funny. It's the sort of film I think Keen would enjoy. Um, Aye, but we'll we'll go on to we'll go on to something else now. Uh, Aye, I make it a mention later. Rightio. So the next one um, we've got here. Uh, this is one that I watched actually. Um, Distinguished gentleman. All right. Okay. Okay, um, I so this this movie's obviously you all know that I'm a big Eddie Murphy fan. This one is a film that I'd, I'm ashamed to say that I'd never seen until last week, and it's a uh, a distinguished gentleman. It's just a a cracking film, man. It, it's so underrated. Uh, but 1992, Eddie Murphy had this, and he had Boomerang, uh-huh. right? And I watched, I put Boomerang on. After I watched the Distinguished Gentleman, I know I'm getting away from the film that we we're talking about here, right? But I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. Um, so I watched Distinguished Gentleman, um, and then I, I put on Boomerang, and 
I ended up going into the kitchen and I was pottering about in the kitchen for about half an hour or something like that. And Boomerang, just, I could hear the, the dialogue in it. And right. it was enough for me to know that I would have turned it off anyway, so I just went and turned it off. Now, that's, that never happens with me with Eddie Murphy movies, but that was an absolute shanner. But Distinguished Gentleman is a highly underrated movie. Right. And as, as I say, I've, I'd never seen it until last week, but it's a brilliant film. It's a, it's a crime caper, basically. Basically, Eddie Murphy is a, a two-bit con man. And he poses as a way to infiltrate a businessman's fundraiser. It's a fun fundraiser for the congressman, but it's a, it's a businessman that's running the fundraiser. Um, so he claims to be an undercover detective and saying that this guy was about to be ripped off, right? And he's trying to catch a gang that are blackmailing the rich and powerful. And he's really, he's really the leader of the gang, right? So right. Um, when he's at the fundraiser, he overhears somebody bribe the senator to stay in office. And the senator's name's Jeff Johnson. It just so happens that... Uh, Eddie Murphy's character's name is uh, Thomas Jefferson Johnson, right? So right. Murphy hears that, uh, that the senators died, um, so the seat's up for re-election. Um, he gives him an idea, and he, he gathers his gang, and he walks them through each step of his plan. So uh, his plan is to use the name recognition of the previous senator that's died, Jeff Johnson, Um and he does, he does no public appearances or anything like that, and he just runs with the slogan, Vote Jeff Johnson, the name you know, right? So <laughs> people think, people that don't know that this guy's dead are just going into the ballots, and Jeff Johnson, bang, Jeff Johnson, right. getting, he gets all the votes, and he gets elected to the Senate, right? <laughs> um, now, now, it sounds daft, but it's, it's really funny, man. He, he meets another, another African-American uh, senator, Right, it, that immediately kind of challenges him. Right? He's like, well, what are you going to do on this and what are you going to do on this and what are you going to do on this? But all Eddie Murphy's in this for is the dosh. He doesn't even uh-huh. fuck about anything like that, right? But <laughs> basically, it's essentially it's a heist movie, right? And as I said, it's majorly underrated. And it's a great film. Definitely watch it, man, if you get the chance. Um, right. If you're not no into Eddie Murphy, then... You know, maybe no, but I'd, I like him, so it was it was it wasn't lost on me. Move on, for distinguished gentleman. Um, right, this is a movie that I seen on, I think it was Amazon, and I sent a picture to you because it gave me a synopsis in a movie, and it was the most ridiculous synopsis <laughs> of a movie that I'd ever read in my life. <laughs> So I sent you a picture of it. I says, mate, we need to cover this for the for the podcast. And you get back to me saying, I love that film. I've seen it hundreds <laughs> of times. And the film, the film we're talking about is Night Moves. Now, night, night with a K. Now, that's, that's, very, that's very important here. Keezy, tell the listeners about Night Moves. <laughs> so as soon as I start talking about this film, people just, They'll be skipping if there's a there's a there's a skip button on this, isn't there? I don't know. <laughs> don't don't tell no, them don't if there is for fuck's sake. <laughs> hey, right. So this is Night Moves, starring Christopher Lambert, who is a chess grandmaster, right? Which is hard to believe in itself. Um, and he's playing in this big tournament, and he's seen one of the female workers at the tournament. She's a, a stunning lassie, uh, 
when she's found murdered and he's the number one suspect and then uh, when he's getting he's getting like, uh, questioned off the police and he's been withdrawn he's not really saying much and then another girl gets killed but this time there's a clue left at the scene and it's it, so it turns out that there's a serial killer and he's playing a game with Christopher Lambert and because he's a genius as a chess player he's the only guy that can solve the riddles and solve the crime <laughs> but they still think is this guy involved in it uh, what's going on here because um, he's he's the perfect guy to play the role because he's so he's got no acting ability that you, you that you do look at him and go bloody it's him is doing this <laughs> and you just you just don't know one way or another and oh, maybe maybe he's that good an actor <laughs> he's making you believe that <laughs> maybe I <laughs> but it's, it's absolutely preposterous but it, <laughs> preposterous uh, and, well, <laughs> and uh, to be honest you see the riddles and the, the clues in that they've got absolutely no bearing on the film at all you could you could you'd have reached the same conclusion just ignoring all that crap um, but it's see if you just go with it and just say look it's an hour and a half and it's an enjoyable, no, it's enjoyable trash. Is it a romp? Is it an enjoyable romp? <laughs> Maybe not quite. Uh, he certainly romps a couple of times in this film. He's, he's uh, Diane Lane. <laughs> Diane Lane's in it, but I didn't realise they were married in real life. They get divorced, I think, about a year later, probably when the reviews came in for this. <laughs> <laughs> after, after they seen the movie. For fuck's sake, what a terrible, terrible sounding film. I'm sorry, Keezy, but come on now. <laughs> We're moving on for this pile of fucking nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> the next one that we've got <laughs> in the list is um, Under Siege. So well, uh, on the last episode, we had Die Hard on a Plane. And this is Die Hard on a Ship, the USS Missouri. Aye. This this film is, I don't know if this is a great compliment, but it's Steven Seagal's best film by absolute miles. I bet I slip being the best dancer at the Ugly Ball. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, What it's about is it's the USS Missouri and it gets taken over by terrorists. Uh, The the plot is they're going to sell the weapons of the USS Missouri to the highest bidder. And they've got to control this warship, and that's that's their plan. Um, but and they've got everybody on the ship taken care of, apart from the cook, and the cook's played by Steven Seagal, and it's Casey Ryback, and so it's him against the rest to save to save everything. Um, it's probably it's got two brilliant baddies in it: uh, Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones. They're the baddies. I love Gary Busey, mate. Gary Busey is an absolute crackpot, and I love him. Uh, he's made for roles like this. Why? Because, and also, it's got one. It's probably the whole film's overshadowed by one particular scene, which I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. They have a birthday cake involved. Oh, that, oh I, uh, I'm talking about Gary Busey in drag. All right, no, there was one scene that I remember. Aye, aye. 
I'm definitely talking about the birthday cake, guy. <laughs> what an entrance. <laughs> you better believe it. Guys, you're, you're not in Baywatch now, then. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, but, uh, so that's what it's about. She helps them, uh, Erica Leniak, and it's the two of them against all these terrorists on her ship. And what's that to like about that? I mean, it's, it's brilliant. I uh, uh, under siege, like I said, remember I tell you my big cousin had the laser disc player? Aye. Right? Under Siege was one of the movies we used to watch on the laser disc player, man. Brilliant. Just in a, in, a, in a living room with surround sound all around you, man. Curtains drawn, place pitch black, this massive telly. Honestly, what, what a setup they had. It was tremendous. Aye. But, um, this is, is one of the films that I, I enjoyed watching back then. And I don't know, I, I mean, his name's mud now when it comes to movies, but if people haven't seen this, Aye. you'll be really surprised. It's brilliant. It's a, gr- it's a great film. It's actually a good storyline. And the, the, like you said, the villains in it are brilliant and they're ruthless, which is, Aye. I like a right good villain that you can say, all oh, right, hold on a fucking minute, this guy's not fucking about. Do you know what I mean? That's what these guys were. Uh, tremendous. Like, you know, you kind of respect a body like that, don't you? Like, all right, can fair do yeah, it. <laughs> that's, that's what a good action film needs. It's not that hard. Aye. The, the villains in this movie are fucking tremendous. They should have, they should have made a pile of these films, but they made an asset with the second one, which we spoke about Aye. before. Obviously, Gary Busey's character. Uh, <laughs> if you told me he died in the first one and they signed him up for the second one and gave him, what was it, $5 million or something? I think it was, it was 500000 no matter what. He, he got that into the contract. And then right. as soon as he signed it, he says, by the way, I get killed off in the first one. Catches. <laughs> uh, I mean, has Gary Busey really done anything since? Probably not, actually, the night you say it. So, Ah, well, listen, you win some, you lose some, don't you? That's it. But right. a thumbs up for me for Under Siege. 100%, definitely going to watch that. Right, the next one on the list is uh, <laughs> uh, Scent of a Woman. <laughs> <laughs> right. See, if before we did this year, Aye. if somebody had asked me how many Oscars does Al Pacino have, either Best Actor or Best Supporting, I'd have said minimum three. No bother. Aye. And this was his one and only win. Yep, it was his, that's right. It was his eighth, eighth nomination and he won Best Actor for this. And uh, no wonder, he's absolutely phenomenal in it. Aye, he's, he's tremendous in it. Really, really good, man. Um, aye, so the storyline is is that uh, Chris O'Donnell plays a senior at high school, at a prestigious high school, and he's struggling for money to get home for Christmas. So he takes this job at Thanksgiving looking after Al Pacino, who's a former lieutenant colonel in the US Army, but he's a grumpy, old, bad-tempered blind man. And that's what that's what the gig is. He has to look after this bitter old man, really. Um, and Chris and O'Donnell, Chris O'Donnell puts perfume on and pretends to be a woman, doesn't he? And then... He, he, they sleep together. It's like that's funny that scene. Man. <laughs> it's a, it's a long film. It is a long film, um, but there's some brilliant scenes in it. And Pacino's performance would would drag you through it at all. Anyway, he's got some memorable scenes. And um, 
I'd say that the court, the, not the courtroom scene at the end, but the, the big debate in the high school, uh, Pacino turns up. That that scene's brilliant, but it get completely overshadowed by a few good men. Aye. Uh, but it's, the scene it's two, between two him, different things, isn't it, man? It's two, it's two different things. I know, things. I know, I suppose, but um, the scene with him and Chris O'Donnell is absolutely mesmerising. That's what won him the Oscar, that scene. Chris when, O'Donnell, man, he should have had a better career than he did have. I know. That's what I was, see, when I was watching it, I was like, ah, he's really, he's, he's really good. And shouldn't, he, shouldn't he have took the role as Robin? No. See, if he hadn't he took that, he would have been on to bigger and better things. He would have, he could have been an, an action star as well. I mean, you, you see him now, and is it yeah, NCIS or something like that? He's in one of the ones. I know, I know he's in one of them, and I know it's, it's him and LL Cool J, isn't it? Aye, and he's he's believable. You know what I mean? He's a, he's like a tough guy. He, he would have been on to be the, the next thing, the next big thing, I think. Aye, definitely. You know, did Chris O'Donnell get nominated for an Oscar for this? No, no. That's nuts, isn't it? Because he, I remember him being brilliant in this film as well. And he is, he's, he's excellent, aye. And it's, fuck, well, that is what it is, isn't it? But, uh, aye, Pacino's the only movie that he won the Oscar for. And I'd probably, I, although it was a great performance, it's not even in his top five movies for me. Um, no. No, it's definitely, it's definitely worthy of the Oscar, though. He's, He's brilliant, but no, it's as a film on a whole, it's definitely not one of his best. No, but it's still it's worth a watch just for that. We'll move on if you see any women there. So the next one in the list is one of uh, Sylvester Stone's greatest cinematic <laughs> achievements. Um, also starring the absolute best character for the Golden Girls, man. Uh, <laughs> Estelle Getty, and this is Aye. Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Now, <laughs> this film gets panned, but it's not as bad as everybody makes it out to be. It, it's, <laughs> it's shite, but it's not as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Come on. So, I'll, I'll admit, I've never actually even seen it. Have you not? I just wanted, no, I just wanted to talk about it because of what I, I read about it the day. It's probably well known, but I, I thought it was quite funny. What was it? First of all, Sylvester Stallone says it's his biggest regret, Why? and he says it's just he he hates it, right? But the reason, the real reason why it's his biggest regret is that he was tricked into doing it by Arnie. Arnie pretended that he was in talks with the producers for this for the for this film, but he'd he'd read the script and meant this is the biggest pile of crap that exists on the planet. But he he, he let it leaked out that he was in talks to do the movie. And still one wanted to get one up on him and, and says, No, no, I'll do it, I'll do it. And Arnie's like, oh, all right then. Fucking tricked him right into doing it. And it was an absolute bomb. Uh, <laughs> it, it was no as bad as everybody makes it out to be. It's, it is shite, right? But people claim it is like the worst movie ever made and all that. It's nowhere near the worst uh, movie ever made. No. It's not even the worst stolen movie. There's no way that's his worst. I know. I seen that driven thing, <laughs> one that he was driving a fucking F one car through the streets of New York. <laughs> brutal, brutal. <laughs> right. Uh, so the next one I've got written down here, Keezy, is Unforgiven. Uh, this is a 
Was this Clint Eastwood's first? I think he directed Firefox in the eighties, but this is his his first big one. Aye, uh, well, he won he won the Oscar for this Aye. best director. Aye, bold Clint. Eh? Aye, so Un- Unforgiven was uh, Clint Eastwood's big coming out party as a director. Um, Definitely, as you said, they won the Oscar for it. Um, I've never seen this film, man. I've, uh, so Aye. I'm going to have got that in Tombstone, and there are two films that I want to watch. So um, tell me about tell me a bit about it, but don't don't uh, don't ruin it for me. But tell me about it. No, I won't. I won't ruin it. Um, so I'd never seen it either, and I can't believe I hadn't seen it because it stars Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, Gene Hackman, and Richard Harris. So it's got winner written all over it. So I watched it recently and it, it's brilliant. Uh, Clint Eastwood plays a retired uh, gunslinger or cowboy and he get and he's out to do one last job. He's a retired family man, but he's, his wife dies and um, he's struggling for money. And then he gets offered this one last job. And it, what happened was, is that in the, in the, 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 the town where it's set, a prostitute gets badly disfigured off a guy. So they put out a bounty, $1,000 to get the two guys that done it. So Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman go to the town to do the job. And in that town, Gene Hackman's the sheriff. And he's like ruthless guy. And uh, he's he's absolutely phenomenal in it. And he won Best Supporting Actor for this it's performance. Ha- is Hackers a body? Aye. Uh, and it's it. There's a specific Richard Harris turns up into the town as well, and he's a hoity-toity, up his self type of guy. I and there's know. a scene. There's, there's a surprise, eh? <laughs> and there's a scene, couple of scenes behind him and Gene Hackman that are absolutely tremendous, and it it, it lets you know that this Hackman guy's not to be messed with. And uh, but Clint Eastwood is just a, he's at the top of his game. Because he's cool as fuck. It's Clint Eastwood, man. He's got some great lines in it. It's like, well, there's one I'll say, because I want to say it. I know you've not seen it, but it's like he walks into the barn. Come on, make my day. <laughs> he, he shoots the, he says, who owns this establishment? Guy puts his hand up, shoots him. Gene Hackman's like, you card, you just shot an unarmed man. Clint Eastwood's like, well, he should have armed himself. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just things like that it's, it's brilliant film they're Aye. my two favourite ever westerns apart from Shanghai Noon Shanghai <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Noon that's an eastern <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely worth a watch it's a uh, great great film Aye, so um, we'll, we'll move on for that one now then, we'll go to, I think we, we kind of touched on it earlier on, I tried to see this in the cinema and by God, oh, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't allowed to see it uh, in the cinema, I was too young, um, and this was Batman Returns. Now, yep. I've had a bit of an aversion to this movie ever since that day. I loved Batman, right, I loved it. I just think they went too far with Batman Returns, if you know what I mean. Like we watched, me and Keen watched it recently, and it was the the sets and all that. I thought looked hokey as fuck. 
Um, I know they were trying to get like a sort of steampunk vibe kind of thing, but it just it was. I, I just didn't like this movie. Christopher Walken was excellent in it. Um, Aye. Is my Shrek. Michelle Pfeiffer was tremendous in it. Danny DeVito was good in it as well. See, that's the problem right away. We've just named three guys that are brilliant in it, and none of them's Batman. I know. I know. This should be called Batman Returns for like 10 minutes and then buggers off and then comes back in every now and again. That's and... it, mate. There's no enough Batman in it. Aye. No, I mean, you, it, the film's called Batman Returns, not Batman Shows Up for a Minute. <laughs> Sean loves this film. It's his favourite Batman movie. And I, I think that must be down to childhood memories. I, I didn't know that. But, I, uh, well, that's what he said, and I was like, Christ, I'm about to slate this bloody thing. I know, he's going to fucking <laughs> stop listening to us if we keep slating all his favourite movies. <laughs> no, I mean, so, then, uh, then, that, then, he, then so, he suggests a year for us to do, and we go on and slate every film that's ever been ever come out that year. There wasn't <laughs> one good movie. There wasn't one good movie. He, he did send me a list, and you know what? It's still under consideration, Sean. Aye, so, I'm, I'm sure we'll do it. <laughs> um, aye, since we since aye, we missed since we missed going out to wet the way because of the COVID, we'll, aye, we'll, 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 um, we'll do your we'll do your year for you. And... <laughs> but um, aye, so Batman returns. We have we have to talk more about Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm sorry, but we do. Incredible. Mate, <laughs> I don't know, man. Everybody, I don't know. I've I've just never been into the. The PVC thing, you know what I mean. And every, I remember right. when this movie came out, she was every guy's absolute fantasy woman. Oh, Michelle Aye. Pfeiffer dressed up as Catwoman, but I never got it, man. I I don't know. I just I, I always preferred oh. uh, Poison Ivy and Batman and Robin. Right. I preferred Poison Ivy as a sumptuous villainess. Ah, I and surprised at that. I don't get me wrong. I thought I thought she was brilliant in the film, and she's obviously an exceptionally good-looking woman, right? But <laughs> I just, it's just PVC's never been my thing. So it, it didn't, <laughs> even even as a wee guy, you know what I mean? I, I was like, but whereas ninety-eight percent of all the wee guys run about me were. Know what I mean? <laughs> Jimmy Chitara for the Thundercats any day. <laughs> <laughs> If they'd ever made a film around that time, she would have played Chitara, I would say. Aye, 100%. Aye. You know, it's a film that, although it's not my favourite Batman movie, and I'm not a huge fan of it, it's, I can see why it has got a cult following, I can see why people enjoy it. It's, it's really gothicy, which is, in a way, cool, but I think they tried to use a wee bit too much special effects. I think Gotham looks as if it's been drawn in a lot. On a lot of scenes, you know what I mean. It, it looks fake. Um, whereas if they done it, if they done that sort of film now, it would. I think it would look a lot cooler. Um, but aye. as whereas, and you know, does it? That doesn't mean it's a bad movie. The fact that it's not my favourite, it's just that. No. It was, I just, I just didn't really like it, and it's it's a shame. But what can you do? I, I'm the same. So what have we got? What we got next then, mate? Right, so this one, it's a classic. Um, it's Last of the Mohicans. Oh, my Kev? <laughs> no, that was Dances with Wolves. So that is. 
Who's lost to the Vikings? Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Aye. Aye, that was Aye. right. Aye, I remember him on the cover of this. What, what a specimen. <laughs> this is a film that's... It's a good film, right? But it's elevated because of the the film score, the music score. The music score takes this film and makes it a great film. Who done it? Because it's... Uh, Trevor... Fuck. <laughs> that well-known guy, Trevor... Fuck. Trevor Fuck. <laughs> Trevor Jones. Trevor Jones. Oh, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's his most famous uh, film score, but it's actually, it was written by, or based on, know how the guy that wrote Caledonia? Aye. He wrote the tune for this, uh, or, or inspired it, and it's it's an amazing uh, film score. And, uh, I mean, the film's great as well, but that just, the scenery with, with this tune, it's is. It's worth watching the film alone. Right, so, so what's, um, what's last of the Mahitans about anyway? Aye, so it's set during the... It's called the French Indian War, that's the name of it. Right. It's set in the 1700s, and um, a British colonel's... The head of the British army that's that's there, um, settling with the natives, his two daughters get kidnapped by a traitor, right. a Mogwa. And this guy's one of the best baddies in movie history. Aye. He's just a bastard that you love to hate. Mogwa, aye. So, the, uh, a Mohican man and his two sons, one of which is Daniel Day-Lewis, just happen to be, they're just living in peace. And they happen to be walking by and they see what's happening. And they save the two daughters and this drags them into this war. And uh, he falls in love with the woman, with one of the daughters, and it's Madeline Stowe again. Oh, the bold Maddles. Maddles is strapping them on this year, isn't she? Oh, no, I know, I. She's absolutely sensational looking. I bet <laughs> she's got a few notches in her bedpost this year. <laughs> in the previous year, she was with uh, Costner as well. Lucky bitch. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, some of the fight scenes are brilliant in it, and as I said, the it's got a great body. Daniel Day-Lewis is a great hero. He plays Hawkeye because he can shoot the flea off a dog for a thousand yards. Aye. Um, and it's it all builds up to the big climatic uh, fight scene and it's worth it. It's just absolutely brilliant. And as I said, the backdrop of the mountains and the scenery and all that with that music, you need to hear this music. It's brilliant. Great Aye. film. Hairs in the back of your neck material. Oh, aye. I, you know, That's the I, kind of music scene when I, I went to like, the Grand Canyon or went to Yosemite. I had uh, that music playing in my ear. I was like, this is brilliant. Uh, <laughs> Any time I go anywhere, like, even if I go a walk into a park, the only music I hear in my head is... It's funny that you say that because... You saying that you would go to Grand Canyon or when you go to Yosemite uh, Park or that, you had that, mu- that music in your head. It's weird how sometimes like a movie score can affect you that way. You know what I mean? Like, I know. You're, I... You're, you're looking out into all this vast nature and all, all I'm thinking in my head is, oh, I'd love it if I was dinosaurs running about here. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, 
phenomenal film. Definitely worth watching this one. Uh, 100%. I'm, I'm going to have to get a go, I think, can I? Let's be honest. I'm, it would be right, um, so we've got, now we've got one film left in the list, and we've kept it to the end for a reason, because it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's, <laughs> it's brilliant. It, this is the third, the third installment of the Lethal Weapon movie series. And it, this is another series of movies that they all kind of melt into one for me. Right? One, and, one and two melt together, and three and four melt together. Now, I, out of these films, they're, they're definitely up there for me. As good as any buddy cop movie or TV show that there's ever been. Um, but this is. For me, it's a uh, Lethal Weapon 3 is a, it's hilarious, man. It, it's hilarious. Right. Um, like you said before, Danny Glover has been getting too old for this shit for 40 years now. But <laughs> you're still kicking every ball with him, aren't you? Every <laughs> ball, the whole, the whole way through it. In, in Lethal Weapon 3, uh, Murta, who is Danny Glover's character, is there's a there's a, a police woman who manages to save them in one of the one of the oh, parts right. of the movie, and she she gets a crush on him, and and they kind of they kind of mirrored this bit, and the and the fourth one as well. It was kind of the same, wasn't it? But they done it oh, with Chris really? Rock's character. Oh, where, where I, Mur- I. Murta thought that he was in love with him, right? And, <laughs> but I just passed myself laughing the whole way through this film. I watched I. it. I watched it last week and I hadn't seen it for years and years and years and uh, Joe Pesci again, tremendous. Oh aye. So funny. Um but annoying annoying as anything, but that's what he, that's what he's meant to be doing. But... Aye, that's aye. He's, he's playing his character. And the fact aye. that he's so annoying means that he's playing his character perfectly. And Definitely. you know aye. you know how good he is when they've brought him in as a bit part character in the second one, he ends up in three films. You know what I mean? So you know, you know they've cracked it with this guy. Aye. Um, go through it again with me, Keezy, because like I said, I get mixed up with him. What, what's this one? The, the plot is main, it's probably all the Lethal Weapon movies. It's paper thin. It's about this stealing uh, a weapons to the, the police department. That's and there's right. Like a the decommissioned guns. Thing. Aye, aye. Aye, that's, that's it. Right. Decommissioned guns getting salty. Uh, Hoodlums. Criminals. Aye. So it is, the plot is, it's paper thin, but it's all the antics in between that keep you watching it, keep you loving it. And the two of them together is brilliant. This one can I, can I, was a wee bit ahead of its time, to be honest with you. Um, see if they released this movie now, and they done what they done where Murtaugh killed the young black guy. Um, Aye. They wouldn't get away with making that now. They I wouldn't, know. because, it, you know, it's, it's a shame because it's true. It happens every day in America. You know what I mean? And I don't know. It, it, so so much is being curtailed now. But even if it's a good story, people jump on it. You know, Aye. and it's everybody's too quick to want to get offended by everything. I know. And, you know, just that that this film wouldn't, as I said, this film wouldn't get made now purely because of that scene. But that scene was a huge, huge part of the story. 
for this movie. Aye. Because Definitely, Murtaugh was, you know, he obviously, his heart wasn't in it anymore after that. He didn't want to be on the streets. He was a few days away for, for retirement. And, Aye, we got and, the countdown for like 10, didn't we? Oh, this man. film. Six days, <laughs> six days, Riggs, six days. <laughs> and Riggs, Riggs doesn't want him to retire, and and secretly he, he doesn't want to retire either. Doesn't he? Not? He, he's, he's talking, he's selling, he want to retire, but <laughs> we all know how it ends up because, as I've mentioned, there was lethal weapon four. So, and we might be even getting another one in the next few months. So, <laughs> and you know Bring what? It on, see, I see. see after and mate. Genuinely, see after watching Lethal Weapon 3 and Lethal Weapon 4 over the past week or so, I 100% want to see Lethal Weapon 5 now. I don't give a fuck <laughs> what I've said about it in the past. I, I want to see it. And I know, I know it's probably going to, going to disappoint me, but Aye. I, need, I, need to see that I need to see how it's turned out because I, I'm invested in the characters. And that's Definitely the thing, isn't it? Aye, and what, and what they're good at is adding in characters and it doesn't yeah. detract for the film because Rennie Russo's character was a brilliant addition. Yep. So she, exactly. was, she was a badass herself. And she, oh, um, mate, that scene. The, she, <laughs> oh, man. It, she, she is. She's a, she kicks the fuck out of her. <laughs> I wonder if Rennie Russo knows karate or if that was just like a stunt actress or something. Ah, uh, it was a... a I can't see her doing that. Maybe she can, but she's brilliant in this. And the two of them together, her and Mel Gibson together, I don't know what it is between them, but you've got Lethal Weapon 3, Lethal Weapon 4, and Ransom, and they're brilliant together. I bet you they hate each other, new wife. And I bet you that's why they're brilliant together. Because, as I said about the bodyguard, like, Sparks were flying between NATO as well in this movie, Rene Russo and uh, Mel Gibson. And Aye, definitely. Like like I said about the bodyguard, it was like it was like watching it was like watching two people falling in love and it, it's I don't know, <laughs> man, it, it's a weird thing because you're like I said, you're kicking every ball with them. And as Aye. you said as well, Lethal Weapon, right? Then Lethal Weapon two comes along, they add in Joe Pesci, right? Aye. Then Lethal Weapon 3 comes along, they add in Rene Russo. Right, then Lethal Weapon 4 comes along and they add in Chris Rock. And Aye. all the, the three characters will all be in Lethal Weapon 5 because you can't have a Lethal Weapon movie without the characters. And, Aye, it, and it says a lot about the, the writers of the movies. They can write characters that they know that people are going to actually enjoy. Because Definitely, how, how many times have movie franchises been ruined by a new character being added and you're just like that and that, you know what I mean? It's like Pucci in The Simpsons. <laughs> Jane, you could play a drinking game with this one every time somebody says, uh, son of a bitch, you have to down your drink. No, because you would be die of alcohol poison. <laughs> You'd be like George Best on St Paddy's Day uh, or Tuesday. There was a lot, <laughs> there was a lot of... <laughs> There was a lot of cursing in this one. A lot of cursing in this movie. And it's... I I didn't remember there being a lot of swearing in uh, the Lethal Weapon movies, neither I did. Um, But maybe I... I Honestly, every single person in this film did say son of a bitch. (laughs) Somebody was just walking by a desk and the guy did this, son of a bitch, (laughs) for no reason. 
just to just to get his in. Jing has done it for a buzz. <laughs> Probably, aye. Do you remember they wrote one episode of 24 where Jack said, damn it, 21 times because they knew that there was a, uh, a 24 drinking game where you had to take a <laughs> shot any time somebody said, damn it. And anyway, <laughs> they, got, they got damn it into the episode 21 times in a 44-minute episode. So <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Tremendous, man. <laughs> But like you said, if you if you done that way, uh, son of a bitch in this, you would oof, you'd, be, you'd die possibly. But <laughs> the ending of this movie, run it by me again. I, again, I'm getting four and three mixed up. It's the one on the building site with right. the guy with the moustache and uh, all the houses on fire. No, that, aye, aye, that was good, man. Uh, it was you, you genuinely felt peril because. Murtaugh's retiring and you know <laughs> what happens and <laughs> to, to retiring cops in movies and that's the reason why they've done it you know what I mean that's I the reason did. why they've done it throughout the whole way because you know you're getting the countdown six days five days four days three days two days <laughs> and one day and you're like ah, right if he he might die here you know what I mean they've, they've done it well <laughs> they've done it well but uh, it's, ah, a, it's good it's a great film, mate. So, anyway, <laughs> mate, that, take, that actually that wraps up the two episodes of 1992. The other movies it. of 1992. So, um, we need to now pick our favourites, our top three. Yep. Um, so, coming in at number three, Keezy, what have you got? I think this is the first. Have I ever doubled up? No, but I'm going to let you away with it. Right. I can't spot these two films. Um, joint third... Best film in 1992 is Aladdin and Sister Act. Aladdin and Sister Act? Hi. Two, two quite different movies, I would say. Are they? No, they're both musicals. Are they both musicals, aye? They both deal with religion. Aye. <laughs> 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 so, aye, that's, that's number three. What about you? Right, for me, for number three, I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for White Men Can't Jump. Aye? Aye, mate, honestly. What a film. Aye, good choice. What about number two for yourself? So, this is one we haven't spoke about. Oh, wait a minute, we're actually flinging in a curveball here. Uh, aye, the reason why is, mate, I love this film. I absolutely love it. But this film had, I would say, it had a window of about 18 months Whereas anybody that watched it in that eighteen month period won't hear a bad word about it and loves it. But if you got anybody else to watch it now, they'd be like, What is this tripe? And why is all these legends in this film? <laughs> so the right. film is the film's called Sneakers. Oh, I've seen Sneakers. Well, have you seen it? Robert Redford. Aye. Aye, I've seen Sneakers, aye. Aye. Oh, right, I, okay. I, I think I've seen Sneakers. Is it get uh, Billy Bob Thornton in it as well? No, no. Is it get Johnny no. Lee Miller in it? No. <laughs> nah, what am I getting mixed up? Hackers. That's hackers. Oh, aye. Aye, sorry, aye. This was maybe a wee bit similar. Um, but right, so sneakers. This is the cast, right? Get Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, Ben Kingsley, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix, uh, David Strathairn, who's a guy you would definitely know, and uh, James Earl Jones. They're all in this film. Right. Fuck um, 
<laughs> so I needed some size of poster for that movie. <laughs> and every one of their names is on it. <laughs> um, so even when I described the film, people were like, God, this sounds brilliant. So what it's about is when he was younger, he gets caught doing hacking into something, right? No, sorry, he doesn't get caught. The police turn up and catch his partner, but he escapes. So he's on the run for the FBI or the US government for years and years. So he's he's living under the radar and it's Robert Redford. He's heading up this team of specialists, right? So you've mm-hmm. got computer hackers, uh, ex-CIA guys, uh, all, all, all the guys in the group bring something different to the party, right? So what their job is, is they get hired by the by banks to rob the bank to see if the system's good enough, to see if the security system's good enough. Right. So that's what that's what they're about, right? But then they get contacted by the NSA. There's this computer box thing that can hack, break any code in the world, and hack into any computer system in the world, and the NSA hire uh, Robert Redford and his team to get this box back for them. And if he does that, they'll clear his name and wipe his record clean, and he's a free man. Uh, so that's that's what it's about, and it's. So funny, the part between them all is brilliant. Um, it's just honestly, it's a film that if you watched it at the time, you'd love it, but now looking back on it, people would be like, What the hell is this? Is that the Phoenix's last movie? I think it was his, it could well have been, it was his last big film or, or famous film. Um, and he's brilliant in it. Um, obviously, it's this is so this film, the part in it between, between each other is brilliant. Um, and it's it's an exciting film, and it's definitely of its time. But it's got this cult following mm-hmm. um, of people that won't hear a bad word against it, and I'm one of them. So with number two, <laughs> sneakers. <laughs> right. So number two for you is sneakers. Number two for me, um, I'm I'm gonna go. I've got a few here, mate, that I really like, but <laughs> I'm gonna go for the bodyguard. See, I was waiting on that. Aye, I thought that was definitely getting in your top three. Aye, The Bodyguard, man, I loved it. She watching it last week, it, it's a brilliant film. Really, really good film. It's tremendous. Um, Aye, it was close to, being, close to my list as well. Um, I, wait I, a I, minute. I watched it. It's not in your top three. Kevin Costner's uh-huh. greatest movie and it's not in your top three. <laughs> what the no, hell? I never made it. I know, that, that was me doubling up as well. I still never made it. Oh, um, no, I, I watched a, a documentary the other day, and it was me, it was talking about uh, the masking Dolly Parton. If it was all right, if Whitney Houston could sing a song in this film, she's like, ah, "Is it all right?" She's like, I cannot wait to hear her singing this. And it was what you said as well in the last episode. What a waste, man! What a waste! Unbelievable. No, she was an absolute diamond, and just like you say, that a real waste. But um, that brings us to your number one. Yep. What we got? My dad's diamond. Oh, my cousin Shawshank again. <laughs> yeah, nah, my, my cousin Vinny. Just for me, I, I, a lot of people won't agree with this, but for me, and it's my own personal taste, this is my this is the funniest film ever made for me. What? Uh, uh, no other film has ever made me laugh as much as this. Really? Stephen, 
staying preference into it. That's that's my choice. The funniest film I've ever seen. My cousin Vinny. That is a <laughs> major claim. Now, listen, like you say, it's personal choice, so I'm not going <laughs> to dig you for it, but fuck's sake, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe you've not seen any other comedies. Right, so... <laughs> right, I'm going for my number one, and uh, it, right. wins it, it wins it by a distance, man. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, easily. Aye. Just a classic movie, and have you seen it? You've not seen it, you know? I've seen it, aye. I, I have seen, seen it, it years and years ago. I've not seen it recently. Watch it again, mate. That's my, that's my top three. Reservoir Dogs. I would say that's a good three. top. They're, yeah. they're, they're, good. they're good top threes, them. And I'm glad we've split it over two episodes because I wanted to do these films justice and aye. I think we've done that. Um, yeah. So, that brings us now to the Actor Quiz movie battle. <laughs> and... I'm going to bring up the random actor generator. Oh, right. Eric Banner. Jeez, oh. Eric Banner? Eric Banner. Right. I, think I've, I think I've got this one sewn up, mate. I think you'll be all right here, aye. Struggling, struggling already. Time you call it this time. Right. Heads. Heads it is. Right, come on, you. Uh, right. Films with Eric Banner. Oh. The Time Traveller's Wife. Hulk. Star Trek. Foreign Correspondence. Uh, what is this? Oh, Munich. Chopper. That's right. I remember there was one that you loved. Oh, no. I think that was Hugh Jackman. I think you might need to start the old countdown here. I just like listening to that tune, so I wasn't even thinking they were there. Eh... Flushed away, was that him or was it Hugh Jackman? I don't know. I'll quickly check it. <sighs> Jackman. Was it Jackman? Aye. Yeah, I still need to say one. Aye. <laughs> Troy. Oh, well played. Did I win, Keezy? You have won. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, after all these years. <laughs> yes, man. What a victory. Eric Banner pulled him right at Mars. Come on. Right. That was a good so, effort. That's the best one I've done for a while. Aye. Right, mate. I'm going to give you it, right? However. What? However. What? It was called Special Correspondence. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, I can't believe it, man. No, you can't give me it, mate, because I dug you. I dug you. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck what was off. It? Just checking there to see if it was maybe called a different name, but. No, it was definitely called Special Correspondence. Finding Nemo. <laughs> Finding Nemo. How could I not have said that? Oh. 
I can't believe I fucked that again, man. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Hey, I'm away in my bed. What's that? <laughs> Is that how we're leaving them? Wait a minute. Right, uh, no, wait a minute. Right, so, Keezy wins again. I thought I had that in the palm of my hand. I had that victory <laughs> in my grasp. And you flipped it out of my hand. Anyway, folks, listen, I'm not going to let that ruin my evening. Um, we <laughs> will... We'll wrap this one up now. Uh, 1992, a, a secretly vintage year for cinema. Ah, uh, definitely, aye. I know. Absolutely. With that, we are out of time.